today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Give me that, will you? Repeat that with me, will you? For with God, nothing will be impossible. One more time, just make sure we got it. For with God, nothing will be impossible. You realize that's just as true in your life as it was in Mary's life? Do you realize that God's word to us remains true? It's the strength of our life. It's the fullness of our life. Beloved, I don't know about you, but that's the foundation. That's the only thing in my life that keeps me going. That God is faithful and that with God, nothing will be impossible. The last time you were with us, Pastor David shared with us some of the staggering mathematical possibilities surrounding just a handful of the prophecies pertaining to Jesus Christ. The likelihood of even a fraction of the prophecies being fulfilled is completely impossible. And yet, we know that Jesus fulfilled all of them to a T. Today, Pastor David will remind us of the great love that God has for us and that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, God's Love Manifested. His soon coming again, his second advent is going to come place to receive his own unto himself, but also to bring judgment upon those that have not received for those that have rejected the truth of the gospel. At his first advent, the message of God was the fulfillment of the prophecy that again, uh, and, and, and that message for that first advent, God purposefully chose to entrust that message to well-known, highly regarded, respectable leaders of the day. No, not really. Who did he give the message to, church? Shepherds. Ordinary people. Just like you and I. Ordinary people. He could have gone to the higher-ups. He could have gone other directions. But no, he went to ordinary people. These men, these, these flock keepers, they, they weren't looking for power. They weren't looking for prestige. They, they, were, they weren't looking to be recognized uh, as, as by anyone to get the accolades of man. They didn't care if the high and mighty knew about them at all. They didn't need the esteem and the celebrity of man because they had something so much more powerful. They had the message of God. It wasn't just some rabbi that came by. It wasn't even a prophet that came by. My goodness, God sent an angel. You don't think you'd get excited if an angel came and spoke to you and said, hey, listen, I want to let you know that right now over in Stanfield, this is going on and you need to go and check that out. And so you got in your car, you drove over to Stanfield and sure enough, what was happening? Man, it was right, it was true. 
An angel told me this. I went over there. Wow, it's right. It's true. Well, that's just for us today. You got to understand that angel's message was, no, all the prophecies that have been given from the very beginning are now being fulfilled. They're found in a little manger there in Bethlehem. And they went and checked it out. They needed to understand, is this true? Is this completion? And so it was, the word tells us, that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said one to, other, one to another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it, they marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Then it goes on to say, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Beloved, there was so much joy in the hearts and the lives of those shepherds they couldn't contain it within themselves. That's why it says when, when they had seen the Christ child, they made widely known the saying which had been told them concerning the child. Isn't it amazing how, how we are more than willing to share the various joys and, and the events that come into our lives? We're willing to share it with the people around us. We're willing to share it even with complete strangers. Hey, wow, did I tell you I'm a new grandfather? Hey, did I tell you, I got that promotion I had been wanting to get. Wow, did you see this new Star Wars movie, Rogue One? Yeah, yeah. And man, you can pick up a conversation with somebody at the grocery store just on that. Hey, how about them Cardinals? Okay, forget the Cardinals. That's not, <laughs> really not much to talk about right now. But, uh, but you know what I mean? When, when, when the joy and the excitement is so full within you, you can't help but share it. It, it, it just literally pours out of you. The shepherds declared the joy that was within them because of the greatness of that joy flooding their hearts. It just oozed out of them. They declared it to those all around them. Personally, I believe that our lack of sharing our faith, the reason that we don't share our faith with the world around us is directly related to the fullness of the joy that abides within us or the lack thereof. You see, there's too many of us as believers that aren't filled with the wonder of the first advent and we're not living with an expectation of the second advent. We're caught in a wasteland in between. No wonder no, no, no marvel, no, no excitement of the fulfillment of all the prophecies that God did to bring Christ at that first advent. No anticipation, no looking forward to, no longing for that day in such an intense manner of his second coming. And so there, there's even as somebody who professes Christ, we, we're not filled with the joy of the Lord. We're not filled with that anticipation that causes us to be so burdened for our loved ones and our neighbors and our coworkers. Why? Because we're just going one day at a time. Lord, fill us with renewed joy. Fill us with that renewed excitement that Jesus is coming. Maranatha, the Lord comes. Now today we come to the fourth Sunday, the 
fourth Sunday, the fourth candle, the angel's candle, the candle of love. You realize, don't you, that the shepherd's message did not, or that the angel's message did not just come to shepherds. The angel's message actually had been going along for a while. As a matter of fact, we could pretty well figure about, oh, 15 months or so. Because there was a fellow by the name of Zacharias that was serving in the temple whose wife Elizabeth, he and her, they, they were both older in years. They had not had a child. Zacharias was serving in the temple. He was there in the holy place, not the holy of holies, but the holy place. And it was his lot, it was his opportunity, a chance of a lifetime to go into the temple there in Jerusalem and burn incense before the altar there. The incense representing the prayers of the people. He had that opportunity about 15 months prior to the birth of Christ. And it says that while he was there serving in the temple, the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And the angel said to him, do not be a afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn their hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You see, the angelic message hit Zacharias that day, and I believe it rocked his world big time. He had gone to church and for so many years, going to, <laughs> I use the phrase church, okay, you go with me, he had gone to temple. But it's kind of like just going to church week in and week out and week in and week out, and nothing special really happens. Oh, it's good to see so-and-so. Oh, did you see so Yeah, this and this has happened with their family. Oh, what's going on there? Just a great time, just visiting with people that you know. Oh, we, we sang great, man. The, Le, the, the Levites, man, they were really on tune this week. They sang some great psalms today when we were at temple, but nothing really major happened. It's kind of like going to church week after week after week. Good to see so-and-so, good to see so-and-so. Oh, I love that one song they sang during worship and, and the preaching. Yeah, it was okay. We made it through it, but uh, nothing real special happened. And then all of a sudden, Zacharias is here the altar of incense. He's in that room all by himself. He's got this incense burner, and he's walking along, and he's praying and burning the incense, and all of a sudden, bam, an angel shows up. And would that rock your world? I'm just looking to make sure there's none in here right now, but it would rock your world. And not only that, but as an old man, he says, your wife Elizabeth is going to have that boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know the story of Zacharias. He was like, yeah, right. And so, you know, the Lord made him mute until John was born. I love that whole story. But the angels were busy before the hillside there in Bethlehem. The angels were, were busy some months later, some six months later. The angel shows up, and, and here's this young girl by the name of Mary. She's, she's engaged to be married, but she's not married yet. She's living at the home of her parents, still taking care of the, 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 the requirements there, all of the chores there necessary. And in the middle of the day, here's this young girl, and bam, there's an angel again. Yeah, I think I'd be f- fearful. I think I'd be scared. You don't know what's going on. But yet the angel came to her and said, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and you'll bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Wow. Talk about rock this young girl's world. 
Sometime after that, he also showed up to a fellow by the name of Joseph, just a carpenter man trying to make a living, trying to get things prepared. He's engaged to marry, but they haven't married yet. They haven't come together physically yet, but yet he had heard that she was pregnant, but he knew for certain. You know, there's ways of making for certain that it's not your kid. There's only one way for sure, and that's not having that kind of relationship. Joseph knew I had not had that kind of relationship with Mary. It's not my child, yet Mary's pregnant. No, I... I don't want that in my life. And Joseph could have called the elders of of the community and had Mary executed by stoning. But Joseph was a righteous man. He was a good guy, and he loved Mary. He says, Mary, I don't know what's going on in your life, but this ends the engagement. I'm just going to put you away privately. You can go on about your life. I'm going to go on about mine. But then one day, that angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. He says, Joseph, son of David, Don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth the Son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Shepherds, just like each one of these others, they were fearful when that angel spoke. But they soon realized that angel spoke not out of the wrath of God, but that angel came to them because of the love of God. The shepherd's candle is the candle of love. God was demonstrating, declaring his love to them. It's that love that's demonstrated and fulfilled through the first advent of our Savior and the acknowledgement that God's love is going to continue on that calls us to anticipate the second advent, that second coming. And even the verses that we read this morning, they speak so clearly of God's love for his creation. Even while we were still sinners. In the scripture that we read, Isaiah chapter 7, you see the response of God to an unfaithful, to a disobedient, to a wicked king by the name of Ahaz. Ahaz had walked away from the Lord. He had brought idol worship into the temple of God. He had even called for the children of the community to be sacrificed to Molech. He was the king of Judah. That was supposed to be the righteous of the two kingdoms. And yet Ahaz was a wicked guy. But yet God, our God, gang, our God is a God of second chances and third chances and fifth chances and 20th chances and 50th chances and hundreds of chances. Why? Because he is long-suffering, long-suffering. He's faithful and merciful. So he goes to this wicked king says, look, you don't need to call to Assyria to come and help you in this battle against Israel, the northern kingdom. I'll fight for you. God says, I'll take the battle, and I'll give you victory in that. But Ahaz says, oh, no, no, I, I got to call on a sure thing. I got to call on horses and chariots to defend us. I'm going to call Assyria, this pagan nation, to come down and to assist me. And God says, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Again, in Isaiah chapter 7, says the Lord spoke to Ahaz saying, just, just ask for a sign. Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. You ask whatever you want, Ahaz. I'll show you. I'll stand. I'll fight for you. I'll fulfill for you my promises to you, Ahaz. Don't turn to that pagan nation. But Ahaz turns around and says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to ask God for a sign. God's not been a part of my life up until now. Why should I do it now? You see, that's the attitude that Ahaz had. 
Ahaz was his, Ahaz was his own man. He, had, he, he was able to take care of things all by himself, but he's going to realize really quickly that's not truly the case. Because he refused to ask God of a sign for a sign, the word came back to him, Hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, and will you now weary my God also? For the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Even in the midst of Ahaz's rejection, God offered love and forgiveness, just as he does today. God hasn't changed. In the midst of our rejection, in the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our disobedience, God stands there and says, I offer you my forgiveness. Repent and come back to me, and I'll restore to you. Just like the story of that prodigal son. You repent, you come back. Man, you are restored. That's the promise of God. But Ahaz wasn't willing to ask, so God says, you know what? I'm going to give you a sign. Some say that the word in Isaiah for virgin uh, is, really is a, a young maiden, not necessarily a virgin. There, there's another word that they could have used for a woman who has not had physical, intimate relationships with a man, but they didn't use that. They actually used the word young maiden. But the issue at point is uh, when you get to the New Testament, they refer back to that Isaiah passage, and they refer to it as definitely as a virgin. And even Mary herself testifies that she was a virgin, that she had not known a man. Still, in, or in Luke chapter 1, Mary said to the angel, how can this be that I'm going to have a child? How can this be? I don't know a man. I've never had that kind of a relationship with a man. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Give me that, will you? Repeat that with me, will you? For with God, nothing will be impossible. One more time, just make sure we got it. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Do you realize that's just as true in your life as it was in Mary's life? Do you realize that God's word to us remains true? It's the strength of our life. It's the fullness of our life. Beloved, I don't know about you, but that's the foundation. That's the only thing in my life that keeps me going. That God is faithful and that with God, Nothing will be impossible. God's love for you and I, we, it, it, it moved him to send Christ in such a miraculous way through fulfilling all of those prophecies in such a way that, man, it's beyond our brains to calculate the odds of how he was able to do that. It's his love for us that sent him to come while we were still sinners, even as we mocked his name, even as we mocked those that trusted him. It's his love for us that caused him to make provision for us, even though we didn't have the time or the desire to make provision for him. He, interjected, he interrupted our lives. He intercepted our lives and revealed himself to us. It's God's love for us that moved him to offer the greatest of sacrifices, his son, his one and his only son. The angel's candle, the love candle. 
Everything about that first advent, everything about that second advent speaks of the greatness of the love that God has for you and I. That's why the Apostle John writes to us in 1 John. In 1 John chapter 4, he writes these words, In this, the love of God was manifested, revealed, displayed, made known toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. He he removed totally the propitiation of our sin. He took it completely out of the picture, no longer for you and I to have to deal with. Why? Because Christ dealt with it on the cross. Psalm 24 offers us a a sweet time of fellowship in in the midst of all the craziness of the world. And how many of you understand there's a lot of craziness going on in the world? Yeah? I mean, just look around this room. There's, there's a lot of craziness going on in this room. I mean, not you people. I mean, things that you're, you know, in your life that are hitting you. Yet God wants us to have a relationship with him. Psalm 24 says, lift up your head, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. And we say, well, who is this king of glory? Comes back and says, the Lord, Jehovah, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Oh, lift up your head, oh, you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors. Because the king of glory wants to come in. Who is this king of glory again? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And at the end of that psalm, it says selah. And we usually read that word and we keep on going. Do you know what selah means? It means Whoa, pause, take a break, get a little chill going here, meditate for a moment, think about what you just read. What does it mean to me? What is he trying to say to me personally in this psalm? When it says, lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors, the king of glory will come in. If you and I open up our lives and make available our lives to him, King of glory promises he'll come in. He promises he will come in. Well, who is this king of glory? Why, it's the Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. If you just open up your, 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 lift up your heads, open up your hearts. Lift up your everlasting doors. King of glory wants to come in. Jesus spoke to the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation. He spoke to that church and says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know what that means? It's not on the inside knocking. It's on the outside knocking. He says, I want to come in. If you'll open up the door, I will come in, and I'll sup with you. I'll have fellowship. I'll have relationship with you. problem that we find today, and I want to close with this, problem that we find today is there's way, way too many churches and too many people who say that they're Christians, and yet Jesus is on the outside looking in. Beloved, If you open yourself up, I don't care what situation's going on with your life. I don't care about the past of your life. I don't care about uh, how despicable or deplorable you might think that the Lord thinks about you. The greatness of our God is that he loves you. You open up, the king of glory will come in. Selah, consider that.
Jesus was the long-foretold Savior who many believed would conquer the physical world and reign as King. But his inconspicuous arrival didn't lend itself to that at all. Jesus came into the world as an innocent and tiny baby. While he did grow up to conquer an enemy, it wasn't who the world expected. Jesus took on the greatest enemy of all, the creator of evil and sin. As we continue to study the events surrounding the beginning of Jesus' life here on earth, we hope you see him in a new way and allow him to change you from the inside out. If Pastor David's message today on the open word has been a blessing to you, we'd like to hear from you. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. This Christmas, we'd like to encourage you to take some time to invest in a community of believers. If you haven't yet found a church and you're in the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has a special invitation for you. Hey, thanks, Chris. This is Pastor David, and if you haven't found a church and you're in the Casa Grande area, please accept this special invitation to you. I'd love to meet you in person here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande as our community of believers comes together every week to support each other, to pray for each other, and to spend time learning from the Bible. I hope you have the opportunity to join us for this celebration of our Savior. Please come and find me, introduce yourself, and consider yourself invited. Merry Christmas, and may the fullness of Christ direct you for this coming new year. You'll find more information about Calvary Chapel Casa Grande at theopenword.com. That's all we have for today. Join Pastor David for another teaching from God's Word right here on The Open Word. Make us more.